0: This is Rumble, and I am Michael Moore. Welcome, everybody, uh, to today's episode of Rumble with Michael Moore. And uh, today, today we are going to talk about the what is referred to as the swing state of Michigan. And um, I will have with me on today's show um, a, a few guests from Michigan to talk about Michigan. Uh, the reason we're talking about Michigan is because in 2016, uh, the state of Michigan, which for nearly forty years had always voted for the Democrat for president of the United States, um, uh, voted for Donald J. Trump, and it was quite a, I think, of a, a shock to a lot of people. Certainly to those of us uh, from Michigan, um, maybe not as surprising as it was to people outside of Michigan. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and what we're doing now uh, to make sure that that the that, that catastrophe of 2016 doesn't happen again. And um, and I have uh, uh, three guests. I think that are going to speak, going to provide you with information and and insight into the state of Michigan. Uh, Trump won Michigan by uh, over over ten thousand votes, or about an average of two votes per precinct. That's it. Um, and uh, it 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 felt like a, a shocker to a lot of people. But um, but as you know, uh, I was. Very vocal during the summer of 2016, uh, trying to warn people that uh, Trump was probably going to win this election just from what I saw in Michigan and uh, certainly was going to win Michigan. And I was saying this, to of course, to try to get everybody out to vote. So it didn't happen. Uh, it's one of those times when you want to be really proven wrong. And uh, sadly, that did, not, uh, that did not happen. So let's get right into this. Uh, I, I, th- this, is, this is a Michigan episode for people who necessarily don't live in Michigan. So those of you who are listening throughout the country, in Canada, around the world, uh, hopefully you'll have some insight as to where, what things are looking like this year and uh, what we're all doing uh, to make sure that Trump removal takes place um, uh, by certainly by November 3rd with the voting, and by January 20th, uh, uh, with the inauguration, okay. we're all on pins and needles. Okay. Um, my first guest on uh, this episode is the member of Congress who represents the city of Flint, uh, saginaw Bay city up along the, the lower part of the uh, Lake Huron coast. Um, I've known uh, this individual for many, many years, since, uh, actually since he was in high school. I was a couple years older than him, and uh, and uh, we were good friends. I had run for the board of education uh, in my school district at 18, and uh, and he ran uh, a few years later, uh, right out of high school, for the board of education in Flint. It was his first elective office. Um, uh, he went on uh, to become a county commissioner uh, and has held a number of positions both in Flint and Genesee County, where Flint is located. I am referring, of course, to Dan Kildee, uh, the uh, representative from the 5th District of Michigan in our United States Congress. Dan, welcome to Rumble.
1: Thank you, Michael. It's good to be on. I have been, as I'm sure you know, a regular listener from the day you launched this podcast. So it's really cool to be officially on the podcast
0: Thank well i i and i welcome your comments uh after various episodes it's very and and also i should point out you actually have been on before but we were there live uh in the uh, in the in the capitol on impeachment night on the night that Donald right. trump was impeached um you as a member of congress uh 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 helped us uh you know you have to get a ticket to get into the and so uh my sister and i and uh basil our producer uh were all sitting in the front row of the gallery there during the impeachment uh uh it was an amazing thing to witness Uh, it was you
1: know a quick aside i know we don't want to go too far on this but the thing i remember most about that which you referred to in a previous podcast was when john lewis uh you and put his hand to his heart and you know he, he and i we're very good friends and he always wanted to know what you were up to and,
0: and oh, an amazing guy. What yeah. a loss, but I'll tell you what a gain, what a gift, uh, his life and, and what he, uh, what he accomplished. And I know that was a very touching moment. Uh, when you, you, <laughs> I could see you're telling him, Hey, Mike's up there. And then he looked up there and he was like, and he did that whole thing with his hand to his heart and his thank you. And it was very sweet. And, uh, that will, always be in my memory um, about him um, so Dan uh, the question on everyone's mind is what's up with Michigan what do we need to worry about uh, how's it how's it going and maybe just for to begin with just a, a brief history of your analysis of what happened in uh, 2016 that a state like Michigan could even think about voting for Donald Trump
1: well, in a way, we could see it coming for a long time. You know, we've heard a lot about, especially in the older industrial corridor of Flint-Saginaw-Bay City, over the years, how it seemed to underperform what people would expect from a Democratic district mm-hmm. going back to 2000. Um, and I think it's because people in these older communities have felt left behind during periods of economic growth, whether it was Democratic Uh, presidencies or Republican presidencies. When the rest of the country was growing, we weren't. When we lost, you know, when the economy went south, we went way south. We lost manufacturing jobs. And so people here have become quite cynical about whether or not all these promises of jobs made by Democrats and Republicans ever come to pass. And so when Trump came along, we were running, you know, Hillary, which, You know, we could relitigate that forever, but you know, she was more of a conventional Democrat in a lot of ways. Um, When Trump came along, people were like, "Well, let's some, let's let's take a shot." I mean, what do we have? I mean, he he said it, and he was, you know, he he wasn't correct, but he caught the imagination of people by saying, "Well, what do we have to lose? Let's give this, let's give this a shot." He's talking about bringing the jobs back. Uh, We we've seen Democratic and Republican administrations come and go, and we continue to lose jobs, we lose our health care, we lose everything that we care about, our communities are falling apart, our families are having to relocate in order to find work. And it was a, it was just primed for mm-hmm. an, an economic populace to come along.
0: He crisscrossed the state with all those rallies in 16. 16- he was here. Mm-hmm. He showed up.
1: Democrats took the, ta- took the state for granted. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and as you know, he won not because of the people who voted for him, he won because of the people who didn't vote at all. That's how he won the election. That's he, correct. You know, People either stayed home because they didn't really feel like it was going to make any difference, or they figured Hillary was going to win anyway, and I don't really like her, so they'll, they'll do it without my vote. At least I'll have plausible deniability. Or mm. they went, as almost 90,000 Michiganians did, they went to the polling place, stood in line, stood in that long line, cast their ballot for everything from county commissioner to US Congress and left their presidential ballot completely blank. That's how Donald Trump won Michigan.
0: 90,000 did that.
1: Yeah. And we lost by 10,704 votes. Yeah. Wow. Because you have to ask people for their vote number 1, and you have to you have to you have to be able to communicate that you understand what they're going through. And even though I don't think many of us believe Trump, he got some people to feel like he heard them.
0: Oh, yeah. He gave, I remember one fiery speech he gave. I forgot in which city of Michigan it was. He went after the hedge fund guys on Wall Street. He said, I'm going to tax them. They're not paying enough in taxes on Wall Street. I mean, it was, it was not for me, but I could see how it was exhilarating for the audience to hear that.
1: He proves an adage that I I don't know if I coined it or not, but I believe it that in this world, in this country, if you are a person of average or maybe below average capacity or intelligence, above average greed, and well below average scruples, you can do a lot. (laughs) And that's what he did. He lied to us. But of course, many of us that knew that, I mean, how how do you defend that? How do you argue it when he's saying something that just by his own record was obviously patently untrue. Hedge fund managers are doing better than they ever have. They gave him a huge tax cut. He didn't right. go after them. The opposite. Wrapped his arms around them. Right,
0: right. And Dan, back in 16, we couldn't get yard signs. We couldn't get, well, we're trying to yeah. get Hillary Hillary yard signs. I know it's a small, it seems like a small complaint, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Michigan, where it's just everybody, you have to drive uh, where you're going, and you just kept seeing all these Trump signs and no Hillary signs. And it created the impression that that the state wasn't for Hillary. It
1: did. It, did. it reinforced that. And I think that was also, a, it, it reinforced the notion that there was little enthusiasm, uh, where Trump had a message that got some people. Some people weren't motivated by Hillary. She wasn't speaking to them. She didn't show up. And then I think it was political malpractice to have a campaign where even those people who were on board couldn't get access to something as simple as a yard sign to demonstrate to their neighbors that they were. So, you know, that was, it was.
0: And the African-American community, especially, you know, Flint is a, is a majority black uh, city um, really felt left out. And, you know, we kept hearing about how much black voters love the Clintons. Bill Clinton was the quote first black president. remember how they used to say that. And, oh. um, and then, and then I remember one statistic from Flint that 8,000, roughly 8,000 African-Americans who voted in 08 and in 12 for Obama stayed home in, uh, in 2016. That's a lot in a, in a city that, I mean, how many voters are there of voting age in Flint? In
1: Flint uh, in voting age, there are probably around 60, 65,000 voting age.
0: So when you have 8,000 not yeah. show up, 15%. Yeah.
1: Maybe more, than, maybe more like eighty thousand. But yeah, you're right. That's yeah, a big number. That's a in, big number you know, in, in Genesee County, just one county, which is the Flint County. Uh, more than twice the margin of our loss were represented by people who stayed home that had voted in eight and twelve. Wow, twenty thousand people stayed home that had voted in 2012, 2008, and the state was lost by ten thousand seven hundred four. It was everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and of course. You know we're paying this horrific price for horrific.
0: It. Yes. Well, we're we're paying for it now in the loss of hundreds of thousands of lives. Yeah. Um. You know, I, 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 I somebody was reminding me yesterday. He said, "I remember when you said when uh, when Trump was running, and then when he was elected, he said this guy's going to get us all killed." And yeah. I said, well, that was just sort of a rhetorical <laughs> device. Right. I didn't mean it literally. Um, I mean, I mean, maybe he would get us into a war possibly, but whatever. Never could have expected that uh, a, a pandemic would ensue. And then when it did, he didn't seize the reins of it. I mean, th- this is this is like political gold, for, I would think, for a politician <laughs> that, okay, you've got a crisis. It's not a partisan crisis. It's a human crisis crisis. So I'm going to take the reins of this and I'm going to fight this COVID and I'm going to help the people. Doesn't that just seem like basic common political sense? It does. And even when
1: when presidents ultimately make the wrong choices, when they're in the middle of a crisis, and you think about the two George Bushes at the first Iraq war, George H.W. Bush had a 90% approval rating George W., even though we know that they were wrong in terms of the way they handled all this stuff and their response was just wrong, they were able to rally at least a lot of the people in the country around them, around this sort of sense of unity. In this case, there's actually a moral justification for rallying us all together. And this Nimrod can't even get himself to do that because he's only focused on himself. He is such a narcissist and it's so dangerous that he, he doesn't know how to do what's right, even when it's good for
0: him. Yeah. That means, that means now there's more of a problem, obviously, than just being a narcissist. There's a screw loose. I mean, there's a serious, I mean, Dan, you've been there for four years. I mean, where, tell us about the screw that you think is loose or screwed there's something
1: desperately wrong with this guy there. I mean, he is a dangerous narcissist whose instinct, whose only instinct is more, I mean, somebody else said this, but I heard it the other day. His answer to everything is more Donald Trump. If we got a COVID problem, more Donald Trump, whatever it is, it's more of him. He sees himself as the center of the universe Mm -hmm. and and it's, it's just dangerous to, to see it. And, and you, you can see it. You can see his mind turning. Yeah. No matter what the question is, the answer is Donald
0: Trump. And, and that's, that's, pretty, frightening. that's pretty frightening. It seems sick to me. I, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I just think.
1: I remember how quaint it was. My staff was a little um, put off early in the Trump's term. I was on one of the cable shows. And I said, there's something wrong with the president. And they thought, oh, my God, what have you said? Now it's like, yeah, of course, we all know that. I mean, that was like. That was yes. Wrong.
0: Now, if you said it, they go, duh.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are you even talking?
0: You know? Right. Okay. So 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 here we are now. We're two weeks, two weeks today uh, away from Election Day. And of course, voting is taking place right now in, uh, I think, 45 states and the District of Columbia. I didn't catch the latest number this morning of how many have already voted, but I think it was the day before it was close to 30 million people have voted across the country. So it, it, people are coming out in droves in record numbers, record number of absentee ballots. Um, You know, I'm, I caution people who listen to this, not to get cocky about this or to think uh, that this is in the bag because it's exactly how you felt back in 16. I tried to warn you then. And I I've decided, and maybe this is just, maybe this isn't helping my happiness level, but I've just decided during these last few weeks, I'm waking up every morning with this thought in my head, Donald Trump is going to win. I have to say those words out loud so I hear them, so I go into some sort of shock, and then I get busy uh, all day long doing what I've been doing uh, to get the vote out and to make sure that that doesn't happen. But I have to behave as if it could, it, it might, it will happen. Um, I just don't know what else, because I don't want people, you know what I'm saying, Danny? It's like, I think, yes, people are feeling better right now. The polls look incredible. And yet, and yet, uh, take it from there.
1: It can happen. He can win. There's no question about it. I mean, at this point in time, uh, it's undetermined what the outcome will be. The, I, 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 I prefer the, the, what we're seeing right now over what we were seeing in 20. 16, that is for sure. But it's far, far from over. And I think people have to ask themselves a really serious question. And it's not just what they think the outcome of the election will be. But we're all going to have to answer to our grandchildren and great-grandchildren someday about whether or not we did something about this moment. And what I'm telling people is that they don't want to not have the right answer for that question. They want to be able to say they did. They took action. They did that one thing that Everyone gets to do, and they cast their ballot. So this is really about who we are. We're, what's on the uh, ballot isn't who the president will be, although that will be decided by the election. The, what's on the ballot is what kind of a country are we? What kind of a country are we going to are we going to be? Uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm treating it sort of like you are. Every day I get up, and it's election day. Every day is election day, and we got to go and get as many people as we can. Just like we would on any other election day, we got to get as many people as we can to the polls that day. So I I just did an event, two events, one in Saginaw, one in Flint with our lieutenant governor, Garland Gilchrist. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. And and so he and I are just doing this tour and it's every day is election day. That's That's our tour. Every day is election day. You can vote today when you want, the way you want to vote. And if we can just win every day between now and November 3rd, we'll win. If we somehow sort of put all of our hopes on that one day, like we did in 2016, and hope that the stars align and the right people show up, Donald Trump can pull this out. He'll right. pull some stunt. He'll right. have thugs out there at the polling places, you right. know, and, and we can't we can't risk that. So the only way we win, two weeks, every day is election day. Get up every day, get everybody you can to the polls one way or the other. That's how we win.
0: I've been encouraging people to make a list of your friends or family that you think probably don't vote on a regular basis and do a special outreach to them because, you know, as I've said before, the largest political party in this country is the non-voter party. Uh, There's more of them than there are registered Democrats, registered Republicans, independents. and, And I have believed for some time that people don't just stay home because they don't care. I think they care a lot. They don't hear the candidate speaking to them and, uh, and, and they have had too many years of seeing no change. We know this in Michigan. So it's, I just worry that people who otherwise say would come out and vote for Biden or vote or vote for the negative, remove Trump, but won't because they just, they're so used to throwing their hands up in the air and just saying, What's the use? Yeah. Uh, you know, my vote doesn't matter. And, um, and, and I try to, instead of vote shaming them, you know, wagging my finger at them, I, I've tried to listen to them. And I, and I tell them, I know, I know why you're not voting. It's because you're a patriot. You, you actually, are, you're performing an act of civil disobedience. This is your sit down strike. Yeah. This is you saying, I've had it. I've had it. And I love this country. But I will not participate in this any longer. So how would you how do you speak to those voters because you you speak to them and they'll tell you ah, I don't vote but they're not dummies and they're not apathetic. Uh, they really do care about what's going on. And I've been trying to in my own way hold my hand out as best I can and say, come on, just give it a try. Yeah maybe just this once.
1: What you said is such a powerful truth. Because it is, it's so condescending, and, and you know, people in the political world do this all the time, it's so condescending to conclude that people don't vote, who people who don't cast a ballot in these past elections, don't cast a ballot because they don't care or they're lazy or whatever. How condescending. People who don't vote, they're making a choice. And their choice is heard if you're listening. It's heard loud and clear by the people who care to listen. And the choice that they're making is a message that says, you know, none of you are speaking for me. None of you are doing anything Mm -hmm. for me. You promise all this stuff and you don't get it done. And this is why, you know, and I, I, I take as valid criticism of the democratic party that we, you know, we have to act like Democrats when you're in the majority, you have to act like you're in the majority. You have to actually do something. And instead of finding the lowest common denominator, Let's find the biggest, boldest, baddest common denominator. Let's find the one thing or the two things or the three things that we can do where we co- we cobble together 218 brave votes in the House and 51 votes in the Senate and get health care for everybody or do immigration reform or reform our, our electoral system so that money doesn't equal speech. Instead of trying to find the the warmest, fuzziest answer that makes everybody feel good but doesn't dramatically change anything, let's be big and bold. And if we do that, at least people will know that when they cast their vote, it makes a difference. They might not like what we're doing, but at least people will show up because they know there's a difference that that an election actually makes in their life.
0: You know, so having said that, our candidate, Joe Biden, uh, is – uh, someone who has is very good at the warm and fuzzy. He, 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 does have, I've, I've, I've been with him on a few occasions uh, over a couple of decades. Uh, he's a good guy. He is a decent guy. That, uh, that empathy is not fake. That is real. And, um, and I've, I've enjoyed the times that I've encountered him and spent with him. But, um, but nonetheless, as you've seen in this, in this election, um. You know, I've been out here trying to encourage people, especially people who voted for Bernie and whatever. Come on, this is our moment and we have a much better chance. Wouldn't you rather play offense? Let's get him in there, you know? And then, yes, there'll be fights and yes, there'll be this or that, but we have a much better chance that if we have four more years of Trump, that's the end. That's the end, as far as I see it, of democracy as we knew it. And so, what what do you you say to to people, though, regarding Biden? Uh, because, you know, I mean, your politics and his politics, they align mostly, but not entirely. I know right. that I know the way you vote. I know that, you know, uh, that you're a, you're a, a co-signer and the, the, with, I don't know how many, a hundred or more other Democrats in Congress for Medicare for all. So right. how, how are you parsing this? How are you, uh, t- trying to, um, get people out, uh, for Joe Biden so we can remove Trump but still, understanding that then we have work to do uh, once we have a new Congress and a new Senate.
1: Yeah, I think you know. It, I'm not going to say this is easy because it's difficult. But I don't. I don't think there's any doubt that there's a clear difference between the two. And Joe will sign the bills that we send to him. I mean, I think we need to recognize it's important to elect a president who can lead. It's also important to elect a Congress that's willing to be bold. And and I've seen it. In the House, I've seen a, a change. It's with some of the new voices that are coming and empowering us to have the conversation about universal health care, health care for everybody. This is a bill we can pass. And, uh, you know, I think Joe's base instincts are right. He's, his, his, you know, I've heard you talk about him in the past. His his instincts are right. Yeah. Trump's instincts are for himself. Joe's right. are all of us and what's right. best for us. So I I think I think we can't oversimplify our political dynamics such that we leave it to Joe or
0: any single person has to be all of us. And our pressure has to be on you guys, on Congress, on the House, on the Senate to get these passed, because I agree with you. I said maybe and look, people can hold me to this a year or two from now and say, remember that when you said that you thought he would sign these bills? But I agree with you. I if Congress passes. This universe of a real universal health care bill uh, that that really gives everybody what they need. And and if we raise them, if you, you guys pass a bill raising the minimum wage, if you do these things, I cannot imagine a President Biden sitting there in the Oval Office when the bill comes to his desk. What's this? Right. Universal no. health care, no, I'm not saying, what's this, $15 an hour? I'm not saying, I can't see that. Am I, am I crazy? Am I being too optimistic uh, here?
1: You're not, you're not being optimistic. I think he'll sign a minimum wage bill that's a living wage that's indexed to inflation. He will sign uh, bills to strengthen labor unions. Let's face it. If we don't have labor unions, we don't have, an, uh, uh, we don't a, have a middle uh, class. class. It doesn't. It just uh, Flint, Michigan is the example of that. He will sign, I think, really progressive healthcare legislation, but we can't just leave it up to one person to be the agent of change. That's just too much of a chance. Is uh, You know, uh, I, I remember our, uh, your old friend, Harry Chapin, saying this, democracy is a participatory form of government. You got to participate.
0: Not a spectator sport. That's what he said. It's not a spectator.
1: Right. It's not, that's what That was his word. Not a spectator sport. So, I mean, I think- you know I think we I think we can I really do I, I, I think it's not easy and it's not solved by one election. but if this election and the 2016 election tells us anything is that there really sometimes is a big difference between the people we elect and this right. guy this buffoon that we have as president is making right. a, 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 that difference as sharp as it's ever been.
0: Yes what do you want to say to people who don't live in Michigan who are listening to this and they're, they're still, they're saying now after we've spoken for 20 minutes or so, okay, you guys, yeah, but what, what's going to happen? Cause I'm really nervous and I'm really scared that Michigan is going to go to Trump again. What, what, I, I don't like to give people false hope, but I think you can maybe explain to them what's actually happening um, there. Uh, what you've seen you're there. What is going on? What's the vibe uh, right now? And, and, and what can people do who don't live in Michigan to help in these next two weeks?
1: Well, f- starting with the the vibe is different in the sense that I don't get the apathy. I we we still see two very animated arguments. We see the Trumpsters as active and animated as they ever have been. But what I don't get from people is the sense that um, you know it doesn't matter. I don't hear from people who uh, are sort of Democratic leaning voters that. You know, uh, you know, Hillary's going to win, or in this case, Joe's going to win anyway. So I'm not going to vote. People seem focused. Uh, that there's that's one piece. The other thing I hear, and this honestly, a, a lot of it comes from women, is that they even even sort of conservatives who are conventional Republicans, they just want this Trump thing to be over with. So I think we're going to pick up some of that. But but I don't. You know, there's just too much at stake to, to just take you know, that good feeling that I have when I talk to people for granted. Mm-hmm. What, what we need to do is we need to have the hard conversations with the people we know who we don't think vote and, and, and have a conver- have having a respectful conversation with them. Not, as you said, not shaming them, but encouraging them, you know, calling them to a higher purpose, telling them that they actually do have a stake in this and, and they can do something about it. There's this one special day or now two weeks. Where everyone stands equally, everyone gets to have the equals and equal say in trying to get them to 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 um, to take action. And then, if, if, if you if you live in a swing state, you know your most important thing you can do is get you and your friends and your family to vote. But everybody out there knows somebody in Michigan. Give them a call.
0: Right, that it is true. If, if people listening to this right now think about there must be a relative, uh, a, a friend, um, or because the Michigan has lost population so drastically in the last 20, 30 years. Uh, There's a diaspora of Michigan people. And, and so, you know, you have friends that grew up in Michigan, remind them to call their family and their friends and let them know how the whole world is watching and looking toward our state uh, this time more than ever before. I I mean, this is what I, this is my, this is what I tell people. I just, I think, I think that, you know, maybe there's a former classmate. There's just, just think about this. Uh, who, there must be one person, two people, somebody connected to Michigan that you know, um, and you can do that. And, you know, I saw there just to close here, I mean, just maybe you saw this too. Over the weekend, Donald Trump went to Michigan again, but he went to Muskegon, Michigan. Now, Muskegon is over by Lake Michigan on the other side of Flint. But is similar to Flint in terms of the economic collapse that Muskegon has gone through. It has yeah. a significant black population and is only one of two counties on the whole west side of the state, the part of the state that's on Lake Michigan. Only two counties went for Hillary in the state that she lost back in right. 2016, and one of them was Muskegon County. So Trump decides to go not to Trump counties. He goes to a Hillary county, Yeah, lands that plane. At the hangar, there's 2,000, 3,000 people. It was packed in a, in a blue county in Michigan with Trump supporters. And I thought, I reminded myself, he has not lost one ounce of his hardcore support. No, And it, it, it's a little freaky to see that and to remind us that our job is not done.
1: He, he does that, Michael, because he knows we can't do that. We're not going to have a big rally we're not going to do it it's too dangerous we care about people and he does it he goes to those counties to make the to make the point to try to deflate and depress our people because we're not doing those things and he's trying to take advantage of it i truly believe this he's flaunting this mm-hmm. to try to put a, a you know create an, a, an impression that there's far more enthusiasm for him than there is for, for joe and kamala when the truth of the matter is, we we could have those big rallies. We just don't think we should kill people in order to get elected.
0: And he does. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And God knows how many of those three thousand people there on Saturday picked it up and will now give it to others. And um, it uh, and of course and then he mocks Biden for having small rallies. Yeah. Um, and and I just I wish oh man if I had if. I had had the ability to go to Muskegon and hack into the loudspeaker system. As he was doing what he was doing, I would just throw in the audio to Bob Woodward from Trump telling Woodward nine months ago, he says, Bob, this is airborne. This is serious. This is worse than any flu. It's airborne. It's a killer. Yeah. It's a plague. That's the word he used back then in March. It's a plague. He said that to Bob Woodward. That's who Trump really is. He knows exactly what he's doing. And and he's not getting close to anybody, not yeah. now, especially after whatever he went through. Yeah. But it's it. I don't know, Dan. Final words uh, on this uh, to people. Now to the to the people who are in Michigan. Um, what are your final words here?
1: I mean, vote. People need to act like their life is at stake. You know, it is. This is. You know, we we've we we have said this so many times. The most important election in our lifetime. Blah 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 your life's at stake. Your life is at stake. So find a way, find a way, like John Lewis would say, find a way to get in his way. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Just find
0: a way. And tell Michiganders, tell them one thing that you and I know that Biden will do. You can absolutely count on on this. You can take it to the bank. If Biden is in the Oval Office, one thing that will help our wonderful state that has been through so much.
1: Well, one thing he'll do, he'll make sure that if you want to have a labor union, you can have a labor union and you can bargain for, for fair wages. Uh, you can have a minimum wage that's not going to keep you in poverty. I mean, it's there are things we got to convince Joe to do, but the things that he'll do because of his instincts, because of what it's like to grow up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, he knows what it's like to live in a house where you don't have enough. And you know what? That's enough. That ought to be enough. You know, he's one of us, Mike. He, he, we we got to convince him to do some of the big things we want to do, but we don't have to convince him to understand what we all have gone through. He's one of us. Right,
0: right. Well, Dan, um, I can't thank you enough for coming on this special episode of, of Rumble, uh, focusing on the state of Michigan where we uh, both grew up uh, as uh, Irish Catholic kids. Right. <laughs> Dan Kildy, the— United States Congressman from the 5th District of Michigan representing the great people of Flint Saginaw Bay City and uh, and all those wonderful little cottages <laughs> on the Lake Huron coast okay. uh, thank you uh, for being a part of Rumble today and um, and we're, we're gonna you know we're gonna actually we're gonna go talk to Rashida right now awesome uh, yes your your colleague in a uh, United States Congress from uh, Detroit so Dan Kildy, Thank you, Mark. good work. You bet. All right, be well. All right, bye bye. Thank you. We are back now with uh, Representative Rashida Tlaib, representing the 13th District in the United States Congress from the state of Michigan. Rashida Tlaib uh, was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, to a Palestinian-American family. I believe she's the eldest of 14 uh, children. In 2018, she became the first Muslim woman and first Palestinian woman to win a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives representing, uh, as I said, Detroit and the surrounding areas. And now, Ilhan, I know you're listening and you're saying, hey, wait a minute. We were both elected on on the same day. (laughs) She's not first. We came in at the same time. But I I need to remind you, we are in the Eastern Times District in in Michigan. After two years of championing her community and her constituents with a passion and a courage that would make the late John Conyers proud, that's whose district uh, the 13th was, Rashida won her primary battle in an overwhelming and dominant victory uh, in August. This past year here, this year, um, uh, this occurred, though, despite a ferocious attack against her from corporate interests, from Republicans, some Democrats, and, of course, Donald J. Trump himself. This extremely high turnout, though, that we had in the Michigan primary, in, in Rashida's primary, in Detroit, which is, of course, as you know, Michigan's largest city, is a great signal for the November 3rd election. And Rashida now joins us, uh, as you already heard, to discuss uh, how the hell are we going to turn Michigan back from, I hate to use the words, red state voting for Trump in 2016. What are we going to do uh, uh, right now? Because it's two weeks from today uh, is the election. Uh, How are we going to avoid the shame that we've had to live with being called a red state for the last it was four a years.
2: sad moment, wasn't it, Michael? No Awful. matter even if you're, you know, you're Michigan or forever, right? And you walk, go away maybe to other states, but you look back, you're like, whoa, the birthplace of the labor movement, really? Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's because turnout. Now, I, 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 what I mean by that is this, look, I never blame my neighbors, my residents. Uh, sometimes, you know, it, it is on us to inspire, to make voting easy. and you know, luckily, and we're very blessed now that we have some new laws in Michigan that allow people to register to vote the same day. They don't have these deadlines to change your address, you know, because I got a lot of folks that I talked to didn't do all that. But really, Michael, at the core of it is, uh, you know, really trying to do what I call persuasion mm-hmm. to turn out. You know, people are still trying to persuade Trumpers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, stop wasting your time in that kind of conversation. That ca- That's a longer conversation, Michael, and I get it. But I think there are folks, you know, when I look at my district, the 13th district, about 44,000 less people came out in 2016 than they did in 2012. Mm -hmm. So close to 300,000 came out total. So we're trying to get the motivate and talk to those folks and say, hey, we're here. What's going on? And it's because no one's spoken to them since the Obama campaign. And that's the truth. You talk to them. No one has come and knocked on their door. No one has mailed to them. No one's spoken to them, texted them, called them to say you're needed. We need you to make sure you come out to vote. And guess what? Here's your voting location. This is what you need. You know, I'm still going door to door. Uh, and and I got, you know, about uh, the senior event I had and uh, uh, close to a dozen Puerto Rican women came and the one woman had the courage to kind of raise her and she had a question. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, can Puerto Ricans vote? I mean, Michael, there's so much misinformation and myths. And I look and I said, absolutely, you can. And then I'm going door to door, and another person says to me, Do I need my voter registration card? No, you don't. You know, folks think that they need these official documents. They don't. They're on a list. They, you know, of course, you don't need your ID, but you can bring it. Um, but folks need to know uh, uh, that there, there's a lot of options uh, when you go out and vote. Um, and now you can early vote in Michigan. And so I'm just hoping and continuing to hope that folks understand it's now persuasion to turn out, persuasion to show up.
0: Well, you're doing more than just hoping because uh, a couple weeks ago, Time Magazine had a big article about how there's like a ghost campaign in Michigan, meaning they were saying and and they interviewed the Biden campaign and they said that we decided not to have a ground game this year, that we're not going to do door knocking. We're not going to do that. And I read this and I'm just like, I'm just, my mouth is like wide open. I can't believe this jaws hitting the floor. What do you mean there's no ground game? And then it turned, then all of a sudden I go, I go on my Michigan sites and there you are, you're going door to door. You've got an army of people who are, who are being COVID safe, uh, uh going to people's doors, uh, in and around the Detroit area to get people out to vote. So, so tell me what is exactly going on? How correct did time magazine have that story? Because it shocked me to think after Hillary ignored the state of Michigan, that, that this could be happening again. I want to believe that it is not true. Yeah. But I was happy to see that you decided, whether it was on your own yeah. or whatever, and to pick party, up the slack. Yeah.
2: And the Michigan Democratic Party is now on, on doors. I mean, we're, we're people are starting to to understand the importance of it. Look, I think a lot of people want to be extremely careful. We're in a pandemic. We want to be able to, we can do this uh, door-to-door safely And, you know, making sure, again, I mean, these are people, these are volunteers that are at the door, so you got to make sure folks are careful. But i got to tell you, you know, uh, underestimating the direct human contact continues to be the biggest mistake of any campaign. Uh, Direct human contact, especially our core people, these are people that have come out and supported us in the past. If you get them to come out and support us, they will do it right away. And it's not, we're not even having to persuade them to vote with us. Uh, we just have to make sure, kind of put that social work hat on and make sure that they have the information they need to um, be able to know where and how and and all the things that are important to to voting. Um, This is how I have consistently stayed connected to residents is the direct human contact of door to door. And I'll tell you, Mike, I mean, I'm on doors, I met a a woman yesterday, and I said, Oh, hi, Miss, you know, her name is Miss Phillips. I said, Mother Phillips, I see you vote every time, but I'm here to talk to you about these three gentlemen. And she goes, those are my sons. And I say, yep, they're adult sons. They're all registered. She goes, yes, they're all registered here. I said, well, what's going on? Why haven't they voted? She goes, well, one, you know, had this issue. They couldn't vote. And I said, well, they can vote now. And she goes, you mean that my, these other two didn't vote before? I said, no, they haven't voted since 2012. And so just even having that conversation with her, Michael, and understanding that, you know, she's got to work her block as well. And and right away, she actually, two of her sons came out of the house and she said, where do they got to vote? I told her there's a satellite office right there in the Rouge uh, uh, um, uh, Park area. And I, I said, this is where you go. And, and they're open nine to six, Monday through Friday. You can't beat that, Michael. And they're open Saturday and Sunday from nine to two. Mm. And so- Again, it is it is that investment of time into talking these to, to these individuals. And, you know, my field organizers are in low propensity, you know, precincts. They're talking to people that have consistently been ignored uh, by, you know, national campaigns for whatever reasons uh, we can go back and forth about. But one thing that I think President Obama and the Obama campaign did extremely well, because I worked on his 08 campaign, uh, we were never asked, oh, you know, hey, um, uh, you know who did you meet with? Uh, how many bougie event? No, it was always how many people did we talk to this week? Right. I mean, I mean, that's exactly Michael. Every single week, Chicago National Office was consistently asking us how many voters did we register, brand new voters? How many people did we contact? How many volunteer shifts did we book? You know that was so consistent and so centered mm. on field.
0: You know you just you just uh, revealed a new method of getting out the vote which is knock on the door, talk to the mother, tell <laughs> tell, tell on the sons, out them for not, for not oh, having voted.
2: That's when Michael was uh, the last week, this other woman came to the door and, you know, she's not on the list. You know, I said, oh, I said, oh, I said, oh, it looks like you already, but she goes, yes, man, I already voted, Rashida. And I said, oh, I see that. I said, but well, who's this Brian guy? She goes, that's my stepson. And he goes, she's he's working. I said, well, okay. Is he off on the weekends? She goes, yes. And I said, well, you know that Greater Grace right there, the church right there. On our-. She goes, yeah, right there. I said, they are open Monday through Friday, 9 to 6, and then the weekend, Saturday and Sunday nine. And she looked at me, she goes, I'm going to take them. I said, that's exactly what you need to do because he won't go unless you take them. So, I, Michael, I think uh, targeting mothers is, is a really key <laughs> method well, of turning out. About. I have never
0: heard this before, and I hope people listening to this will employ it. I mean, Rashida, seriously, what you have been doing. And and you've got a small army of people that are, are doing this. And you're it's not oh, it's being very small. It's not being run. You're not it's not being run by the Biden campaign. You guys have just decided. And I remember when I when I was 18 and a friend of mine, a couple friends of mine, the Democratic Party wasn't doing anything to help George McGovern. So we just decided to declare ourselves the head of the McGovern campaign <laughs> for Eastern Genesee County. <laughs> we just we just made up our own signs. We just did our own stuff. Like you can't, especially with an election like this one, you just can't wait. For it to happen, but I just want to remind people listening to this that if you remember, Rashida was one of the top people out there helping the Bernie campaign, as was I. And so you're, t- you These are two Bernie people, but especially you, you are out there doing this every single day.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm making sure that Trump will not serve another four years. No way. Uh, you know, on November 3rd, I, I want to transition a peaceful transition and make sure that he's locked out of the White House forever. Uh, I, I,
0: I am, but can I, I tell you, something, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just, you just gave, this is the first time in this entire campaign in all these months, that story you just told where the mother was <laughs> going to take her stepson on the weekend when he's not working to the polls over at the church yes. that you got her to commit. I know that she's going to do that.
2: She was extremely committed.
0: Yes. So as when you just said that in my brain, the light bulb went off and I thought, oh my God, we might make it. <laughs> we, we, this is the first moment I thought we might make it because that's how this will win. That That's well, how we we'll win.
2: Michael, I love the ones who answer. There's one gentleman who pulled up on the driveway. He's like, what are you doing on my porch? I said, oh, I'm your congresswoman. Rasheed Tiba he goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, how you doing? I said, good. He goes, don't worry. I always vote. I said, really? Because right here it says you didn't vote uh, last time. Oh, you, vote you Michael. He goes, he's in his car. He's got a big truck. He goes, well, I kind of wasn't around. I said, okay, I just want you to know, though. That's why I'm here. Don't think I, you know, I'm here because <laughs> I'm just wanting to make sure that you're inspired. You know, I'm not trying to shame them, Michael. I really don't. No, no, I'm-
0: no, I understand. But no, I can't. If you, if you showed up on my doorstep and you said, if you said, and you said, all of a sudden, my Congresswoman is on my doorstep <laughs> and telling me that I didn't vote and I, I would just have to hang my. Yes, I know, I know, I know. I'm going to do it. I promise.
2: Uh, and I'll tell you, you know, you, you, see him, he wasn't, he goes, you know, he kind of, kind of head down and he said, you know, I was, I wasn't around. And I said, well, you know, I just want you to know, we, we really, your community needs you when you show up, mm-hmm. we're literally saving lives. So I hope you come out and understand the importance of making sure that this election is too big to rig. And, and he kind of nodded, he understood. And I told him, you have so many more options now because of new laws in Michigan, these are satellite locations. You can vote early. Um, you know, go down there. And I, I stress to him, now's the time to actually drop off your ballot if you request it. There's no time for that if you didn't request one. And again, this is a real conversation with people. And what's great is even, you know, another person, I kind of said the same thing. I said, well, you know, mother, you hadn't voted. And she goes, she looked at me. She goes, Rashida, I didn't come out last time because I really thought she had it in the bag. I really thought mm-hmm. Senator, uh, Secretary Clinton had it in the bag. And I said, well, we can't underestimate, you know, we cannot underestimate the power of, you know, turning out and making sure we cannot every vote matters. I said, we lost Michigan by 11,000 votes. And she goes, "I know." And I said, "What do you how do you want to feel the next day?" She goes, "I want to feel as if I did everything possible to save our democracy." And so, that's exactly, you know, the save our country really is what she said. But I I really think, you know, again, these are real conversations that are authentic and real and 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 it really resonates with people. No piece of mail can replace it. No robocall, no billboard, no TV ad. When you're talking directly to people, it it, it really does inspire and, and help people understand the importance.
0: Well, I just I can't thank you enough for, for doing this. This is not in the job description of a member of Congress where you have to go door to door, not for your election. I mean, yes, you are officially still on the ballot, but there's not much of a Republican opposition. So we all know that that you'll, you'll be given another term here, but, but for, but for the president and for the, these, all the other, we, we have a close Senate race in Michigan. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I just, man, just listening to you uh, and the stories you've just, you just told. And, and I, and I just, uh, I want to point out something too, to our listeners. You know, when you have politicians on, and that's, of course, now Rashida is officially a politician.
2: Ew, uh, I hate that word. I know,
0: I know, I know. Well, you, you do your-
2: Social worker with the congresswoman title. That's our something. social
0: worker. That's a good one. Social worker with a congresswoman title. Uh, <laughs> no, but that's, no, but that is exactly how you look at it. And, and, what, and what you do, I just want to point out something that you just said. You were quoting that person saying that, you know, that she thought, you know, Hillary was going to win. And that she knows now she's got it, that she has to do this to save our democracy. That's how you said it. And then you paused and you said, well, she didn't, she said democracy, but she said that save your country. Now you, something in your brain went off and said, no, I have to quote her correctly. Well, she's not a famous person. She's not, no one's going to know what she said at the door to you, but in your own, in your own conscience, you said, no, she said, save our country, not our democracy. And you just went back and corrected yourself. And I want to just say as someone who's interviewed many, many people on this podcast and in my films over the years, that's a rare, tiny moment, but it's very telling about who you are and the, the work that you've done and the people that you fight for in Detroit. And uh, those of us in Michigan, we can't thank you enough around the country. I'm sure you get lots of love. But, um, and, and I know the hate you have to put up with too, but that's okay that you're supposed to get that if you're doing the right job and you've been doing it. And I just, you know, want to thank you for that. Thank and, you. and just your last words to people who are, who are listening to this, especially because I, I I told people, you know, I want people who don't live in Michigan to hear this because everyone's on pins and needles about Michigan. Everyone's so worried that we're going to screw up again. And, and I don't like to give false hope, but, but your final words to, both to the people who are voting in Michigan, but also to the people outside of Michigan who are listening to this.
2: You know, I, I want you all to realize the power of conversation you're going to have throughout your uh, your family, your friends. You know, you hear this all the time. Uh, please take that time to text and call them directly. Don't let don't rely on move on and don't rely on national campaigns. Don't rely on other folks to do it. Do it yourself. Uh, I think there is so much power in that. Uh, and, and I say this to you all because just today, my friend Steve realized his neighbor, who still, his neighbor, who he's working on the campaign to elect, you know, Bridget McCormick, reelect Bridget McCormick to the Michigan Supreme Court and Elizabeth Welch uh, to the Michigan Supreme Court. You know, both are candidates trying to get that uh, court to be much more fair and balanced. As you know, they just, uh, you know, um, rejected the executive orders, uh, uh, that by governor Whitmer to keep us safe during COVID, which worked. Uh, and now you see the record number, you know, just an increase of numbers going up, um, as, as, uh, as folks are disregarding, you know, wearing masks and all those things. But Michael, like he said today, how he goes, I feel like a failure. My neighbor, (laughs) I didn't even think, you know, and, and again, don't underestimate.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't uh, don't assume that your neighbor's already voting.
2: Yes, don't assume. And Michael, you know, I'm the eldest of fourteen, and I got. I mean, I have a voting block. They're married. I got a, a niece that's over eighteen. I know that when I text and call them, uh, and and yeah, maybe sometimes put that threatening kind of pressure on. I'll never talk to you again if you don't vote. Um, but you know, really encouraging understanding the importance of it when it comes from you. You know, you're a trusted source. You're it's a personal. Uh, you know, ask of please show up because I tell them if it's not for yourself, if you're not going to show up for yourself, show up for others. Uh, Do it for others. You're needed right now. If you, you're so needed to come out because, you know, for many of us, it's not just names on the ballot. It is issues that are so critically important to us, you know, from clean water to our democracy to not you know, vilifying and, and removing wombs, uh, dehumanizing and, and, and removing wombs from, from immigrant women uh, in detention. I mean, all of those things are on the ballot. So we need to really um, uh, not make an assumption that people understand the importance and are to we, really come out and vote.
0: Are we going to be okay?
2: Uh, we're going to be okay because Michael, I I learned in Detroit, transformative change, that real change happens when there's an awakening on the streets. And if these uprisings for Black Lives Matter, the kind of movement I see on social media, if, if that continues to, like you say, rumble, if that continues to beat uh, loud and, and the more coordinated and, and organized we become, I will, we will see change. Uh, we really will. And if, if it's you know, uh, so it, layers of focus on the White House and Congress, it won't happen. But if we focus on the streets and organizing the streets, that's who got us organized labor movement. That's who got us the Civil Rights Act. That's what got us the the right to to vote was the work in the streets. If that continues to grow and get strong and be invested in and supported, we're going to be all right.
0: I, I also believe that and, um, and uh, we're going to be all right because of people like you. We've been talking to our our congresswoman from the 13th district in michigan uh, which encompasses uh, much of the city of detroit and its uh, western neighbors um thank you very much rashida for everything you've done uh rashida talib um and uh two weeks two weeks that's it (laughs) we gotta do it we gotta do it all right uh thank you and uh we'll continue now with uh Uh, our final uh, third of our our Michigan uh, episode here. Okay. We're back here with our third and final guest on our special Michigan episode what's wrong with Michigan? Will Michigan go red again? Um, And I have with me uh, uh, again, almost another lifelong friend practically since I was a teenager, I've known this individual. Um, He is known throughout the state of Michigan as our, I would call him our premier political activist. And certainly uh, when it comes to campaigns and trying to get the right people elected uh, you would turn to Sam Riddle, Uh, Sam Riddle, uh, for another Flint, Michigan, uh, raised uh, and grew up there, and uh, and I know Sam because uh, I decided to run for public office when I was eighteen, and uh, and he helped me uh, with my uh, campaigns, and especially uh, when the Republicans in town decided they I, they wanted to recall me, uh, Sam Riddle uh, came to the rescue, and I beat back all of them and, and won the uh, won the recall election. That's my personal. Uh, experience with him politically, but I also know him as a human being. I know him as a, a dad to five incredible sons. Uh, who I've known them wow. since I changed their diapers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, One of them has actually uh, worked on a couple of my films. But Sam is also now, currently, he's the political director of Al Sharpton's uh, National Action Network in Michigan. Um, he's also a well-known radio host on the the big radio station uh, in detroit 9:10 a.m. so uh, his show is called riddle at random riddle at random 9 to 11 on superstation 910 a.m uh, there in detroit wfdf um, sam is also a vietnam era veteran but he dropped out of high school uh, to enlist uh, he eventually got his ged which i know you're extremely proud of absolutely The fact that you are, are, and, and and kids who are listening at home, stay in school. Uh, But Sam then went to college. He came back, uh, got out of the army and uh, became a student activist organizer uh, uh, first in his undergraduate degree at Michigan state. And then his uh, law degree that he got in Ann Arbor from the university of Michigan. Sam was well known at the time. Uh, He organized this huge protest. He shut down a big 10 basketball game to protest racism This is all back in the, I would say... Late 60s, early 70s. Early 70s, right. Late
3: 60s, early 70s, yeah. Yes,
0: led anti-war demonstrations on on these campuses, co-founded the Black Student Aid Program at Michigan State that enabled black students to survive and thrive in an otherwise white academic environment. Um, And then got his BA from Michigan State, from James Madison College there. Uh, Basil was telling me, I never knew what your major was. He says it was a, a major in ethnic and religious intergroup relations. I've never seen the word religious attached to you, but that's well, praise
3: that's imp- the Lord, praise <laughs> the Lord.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> impressive. Uh, you, and as I said, you went on to Ann Arbor to the University of Michigan, where you got your law degree. That's right, yours now. But you are you are for me an early mentor. Me as an eighteen and nineteen year old, and what I learned about politics about running for office, about, about how to organize, uh, especially if your voice is in the minority so that your voice is heard. Uh, Sam, it was the lessons I learned from you. Uh, I still notice in in these days and, the, and we were talking to Dan Kildee, who was our Congressman from Flint now, and also, uh, has known Sam since he was a teenager running for office. And, um, you, uh, you were, you played a very important role in our, in our lives. You're, you're, you're probably eight years older than us. Uh, but at you, least, <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you, um, what, first of all, what, thank you for caring about a couple of white kids uh, <laughs> for t- helping us out. But you, you, uh, well, but your
3: politics at that time impacted Flint's black community. After we all founded the Flint Voice and the stories you did that resulted in the police raiding the Flint Voice, I mean, you clearly impacted you and Dan Kildee, uh, uh, Black Flint, clearly. It was a pleasure and honor to work with both of you.
0: Oh, that's very nice. Well, and I guess I forgot, yes, you and I and a few others there founded this alternative newspaper called the the Flint Voice. And you're right. uh, The mayor of Flint, uh, who had been the police chief, and if you remember back at the time that uh, uh, police shootings, and now we're talking about, this is way back in the seventies now uh, the police shootings in Flint per capita. There were more people shot by police in Flint than any other city in the country at that time. And we were fighting against this uh, demonstrating against it. And we uh, did an investigate a piece on the mayor and um, he found out about it <laughs> and and got a got the Flint police. To, they went to court, and they got a a, a a what's that called? A seizure where you get to like bust in. Yeah, a place Faith and, and seizure. They, they came in totally violating the Fourth Amendment, First Amendment, and and ordered the printers to take the printing plates off the press of our yeah. newspaper. Yeah, and they did. They took it all. They stopped the presses right while the paper's being printed. Took the plates away. So they couldn't print any more copies, and they and they took all the copies away, so that we couldn't distribute our newspaper in <laughs> the United States of America. Oh man, this was. But you know, but you and Kenny Siegel and others who who were there, um, well, Bob Leonard, the prosecutor. Bob Leonard, the prosecutor who who was was not your typical prosecutor. Uh, you know, you we you talk about some of these more progressive pro- prosecutors now, like in in um, uh, Philly and and uh, out in San Francisco, but man, um, uh, he also stood up for the people and, um, yeah. and so anyways, that's enough of the past. Thank you. Okay. I just, to be able to publicly thank you for all of that, uh, I can trace a lot of what I'm doing today, uh, back to that time that you spent, uh, with me and Dan and others when we were teenagers. So thank you for your being a mentor. Welcome. Um, let's get right into this because, there is an election two weeks from today. Everybody's on pins and needles, and I and I I said to our pa- podcast audience, most of them don't live in Michigan. Uh, they want I keep getting notes from. What's going on? What's going on in Michigan? Is it going to happen again? So I thought I would have uh, uh, Dan and and Rashida and you on uh, this on this episode, uh, three longtime Michigan friends, uh, to explain to the people what is going on. Should we be nervous uh, uh, or is Trump already dead as a duck and we don't need to worry about anything? Well, you know, Michael, I've got to tell you something. Four years ago, we were the Lone Rangers.
3: Mm -hmm. Four years ago, and and you can Google it, you can see it, edition of Let It Rip on Fox 2, where I said that Donald Trump would win not only Michigan, but Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. And everyone said, you might have over 40 plus years of political consulting, Sam, but you're crazy. No path as those smart ass white boys on MSNBC and, and CNN and young ladies too. No path to the presidency was there for Donald Trump. It's an old, old mantra now. And of course, it became Donald Trump president the United States. Four years later, I don't have... All of those exact vibes. But what bothers me, Michael Moore, is when I look out and I see thousands without masks risking everything just to hear Donald Trump And in Michigan, Muskegon, Muskegon, a couple of nights ago. Wherever Donald Trump shows up in Michigan, there's a big crowd. What concerns me is that the best piece the Democratic Party has in getting out the vote to defeat Donald Trump is Donald Trump himself. I'm not feeling in the streets of Detroit, in the streets of Flint, and I'm talking about the real streets. See, there's a big class divide in black Michigan between black folks that have something and the overwhelming majority that is not, that are not as fortunate. There's a big class divide in black Michigan and the Michigan Democratic Party right now. If it's depending on a massive turnout from majority Detroit, it, it, it I mean, clearly the Democratic Party will get the largest percentage of black votes. But I tell you, 90% of a 100 is not the same as 90% of 150. I'm still worried about the turnout. Yes, Donald Trump should go down this year. Yes, Donald Trump should win Michigan. But there is... enthusiasm gap. You see, people are voting against, and you know this, they're voting against Donald Trump, not for old Joe from the basement. I already voted, full disclosure. I voted for Biden, Harris. Could have found a zillion analytical reasons not to, but I did it because we've got to get rid of Donald Trump before he kills some more of us. Mm. He's directly responsible for just too many Americans dying needlessly behind this pandemic coronavirus that has turned Detroit into a slaughterhouse. And there's the rub, Michael Moore, because you see what has happened is that the coronavirus pandemic has been aided and abetted by poverty, which a lot of these phony ass white liberals and the handkerchief head. Negro enablers of the status quo look the other way at. The Democratic Party in Michigan is running a lock your doors, roll up the window kind of campaign. What's that mean? It means that they're afraid of black folks. They're running a roll up your windows, lock the door kind of campaign, a stealth campaign that is systemically excluding the rough and tumble neighborhoods of majority Detroit and Flint. You see, this class divide, they invite the acceptable, well-heeled black voter. But the folks that don't get invited to the cocktail party. See, the Democratic Party in Michigan is very cliquish. There's a danger that we won't get the turnout we need if there is a close election. When we look at the crowds in Macomb County, we look at the crowds in Muskegon, For Donald Trump, pure and simple, Joe Biden can't draw a damn crowd. He just can't. And and, and he certainly couldn't draw a crowd of majority Detroit or the north end of Flint, deep east and west sides of Detroit, north end of Flint. Uh, That's what bothers me. But I believe there's enough anti-Trump fervor in Michigan to carry the day this time but if those folks that are willing to risk their lives going maskless at these Trump rallies turn out like I think they're going to turn out we can only upset that with a massive turnout not only in the absentee ballots but on election day I think they're going to outvote us on election day I believe the Republicans will but I think we've got them in terms of the ballots that are being turned in. Again, my gravest concern, folks that won't turn in the census forms are not likely to turn in absentee ballots. Uh, I think that there's more of a problem and it's going to be a lot closer than it should be in Michigan. But I believe the anti-Trump fervor should carry the day for the Democratic
0: Party. Okay, here's, here's what I'm worried about with that. That we're depending on hate of Trump, hating yeah. Trump, as opposed to loving Biden. Now we were taught that love conquers hate. Love is hopefully a stronger emotion, especially when it comes to something like your your country, uh, than hate. And you're right. Those I saw that rally in Muskegon, and I, I told people earlier in this episode that I want to explain what Muskegon is. It's it is a working class a uh, community that has hit on very hard times in the last two or three decades. It has a significant black population. Uh, and it is only one of two counties that voted for Hillary uh, in the 2016 election over on the West side of the state, only two Western Michigan counties. Muskegon was one of them. He goes there, has route. thousands show up on Saturday and you're right. They're willing to risk their lives. they they would risk their lives that hardcore for Trump. W- who right now, listening to this, okay, you're, we're all voting for Biden. Who would risk your life for Biden? <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. It's like, it's a ridiculous question to ask. I, you know, but but you're right. The enthusiasm level cannot be, Can't you can't compare the two. That worries me. I am concerned. You know, back in the summer, Biden was ahead of Trump in Michigan by 12 to 16 points. It's down to five, eight, depending on what poll. You know, it's been cut in half. That that should concern the Michigan Democratic Party, and that story in Time Magazine a couple weeks ago about how there's no ground game, nobody's knocking on doors, this and that, whatever. It's like uh, you know, I was complaining, and we don't see any yard signs. Then finally, you know, yard well, signs. They appeared. got yard
3: signs.
0: You got yard signs now. Now they have yard signs. Yeah, after a lot of people complaining, about they it. heard you, Michael. They heard. I'm me. just. They heard not, you. I'm just they heard saying. All
3: of it. There was no ground game. It was all TV commercials. And again, Michael, please understand the state of the Democratic Party and how stupid they are when it comes to getting out some of their main uh, components of that coalition. The black vote. You see, in Detroit, and, 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 you know, leave Governor Whitmer alone, Donald Trump. But this is a Detroit. Where the systemic racism of water shutoffs contributed directly to us filling over 40%, black folks filling over 40% of the body bags, even though it's only 13% of Michigan's population. This is a Governor Whitmer that just before coronavirus officially rolled into Detroit, Governor Whitmer's administration told black poor people wallowing in poverty where 60% of the children, mostly black, wake up every day in abject poverty, 60%. 87% of the children in Detroit, mostly black, are eligible for free lunches. That's not my data. That's the data from the school system. And what occurred was Whitmer said, her administration said, there's no data to justify keeping the water on in Detroit. I was juxtaposed against the governor in a WXYZ uh, news show where a reporter walked up and said, what would you say to the governor about the pandemic? I was the first one to say to Governor Whitmer and Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist, how in the hell can people wash their hands for 20 seconds when they don't have five seconds of running water because you shut the damn water off? That was on a Friday That story aired over the weekend. By Monday, just prior to the Michigan presidential primary, the governor issued an order that the water could not be turned off. Keep the water on. Well, the water ought to be kept on all the damn time. There's a human right to water, but I can't stress this enough. The class divide. These phony-ass white liberals and the handkerchief-head Negro enablers of the status quo look the other way at the abject poverty on the north end of Flint. They look the other way at the abject poverty of Detroit. People have a right to say, what's in it for me if I do vote? You can't tell them people died for your right to vote. Hell, they'll tell you they're dying every damn day on these streets, on these streets. And we all suffer from a form of trauma behind what happened four years ago when Trump won. We don't believe the damn polls. There's no thinking person (laughs) that believes these polls. We've been traumatized. Mm. We've been traumatized by the Electoral College victory of Donald Trump four years ago. We're worried deep inside there's a gnawing doubt that it could happen again. I don't want that to happen. I'm working every day during that radio show Talking to folks out here, trying to get them to vote. There's not a lot of enthusiasm for Joe Biden, but there's a lot of enthusiasm against Donald Trump.
0: There are going to be some people listening to this. I guess mostly white people saying, "You know, Mike, Sam, don't, don't be, don't be critical. Don't. We can have this debate afterwards. Don't. don't. They can kiss my ass." You know? Okay. Just, just, if anybody's keeping score at home, uh, in this, in this, uh, hour or so hour and a half of this uh, episode, um, you've heard that, uh, there was an event in Detroit this past week called just, just F and vote, just fucking vote. That's, yeah. a, that's that's what it's called officially. Just that's fucking what me call. Just fucking, and, and Sam, Appeared on a Detroit TV local TV station uh, on a show called Letter Rip. So, just so you understand the Detroit flavor of this, uh, that was four
3: years ago, five five years ago when I called it for Trump. I've been on since then.
0: I'm, I'm not saying there's no there's no show on local LA TV, San Diego, uh, uh, Houston, <laughs> Cincinnati called Letter Rip. I'm just saying. Uh, and then, and they did not have an official just fucking vote rally uh, this uh, this weekend. But okay, so Sam, so yes, uh, people, you know, are concerned, and I thought about this before doing today's show because I want. I told people at the beginning of this, and basically, I'd, I'm quoting Cornell West: "I will vote for Biden, but I will not lie for Biden," and and you know, our own integrity. Uh, is is directly tied to the integrity of our vote. And and we will not participate any longer in, uh, in sanctioned Democratic Party things that are not sticking up for the people, especially for the people who are, have it the hardest in our society. This is what's got to change. But I, I, I just want to ask you two things here. We have our United States Senator. He's in his first term. He's up for a reelection. And stunningly, it's like a tide race in the polls. I mean, it's, it seems to be very tight. And he may lose. And I people are asking me, well, how can this be? And I've tried to explain in a kind way that this senator, Gary Peters, um, who, you know, has voted the right way and whenever there has been the few votes that they do have these days. Um, but he, uh, ah, Sam, I don't know the way to say well, this. Well,
3: look, I know how to say it. All right. Okay, here's the deal. Gary Peters is, is a very nice man. He used to be the number one number man in the state of Michigan when he headed up the state lottery, putting putting hundreds of decent number men in in black Michigan <laughs> out of work, unfortunately. Okay. And uh uh he right now is in a race that is tight because Gary Peters, this major disconnect between Gary Peters and the real people of Michigan. And again, speaking from black Michigan, Gary Peters opponent. There's no way he should even be this close. Black man. A black man, ra- a Republican. man. Yeah. During this Trump era. If Trump were not on the ticket though, John James would literally be kicking Gary Peters ass. It's Donald Trump. That is the lodestone around this black West Point grad's neck. You didn't see John James over in Muskegon standing up holding Trump's hand in the air, did you? No. He's putting distance between. And to show you the difference in how the camps operate, John James people reached out to me and asked to be on my show. I didn't have a problem with that. He came, and I mostly focused on the story of the James family. His father I've known for many years. His father and I worked together on the campaign. Dad was a big big
0: Democrat, big Democrat.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes to a a black church in in Flint. I've known John James Sr. many years. Worked with him on Irma Henderson campaign. Legendary political icon Irma Henderson. Worked with him on Coleman Young's uh, efforts. Kay Everett's and others. See, John James, in a manner of speaking, is a son of Detroit, but what happens is that the Democratic Party often locks people out with their cliquish attitude. John James went where he felt he was welcome. Unfortunately, that was the farthest right wing as you could go elements in the Republican Party. He's funded heavily by the likes of Betsy DeVos and others. Hundred, I mean, millions and millions of dollars are being spent on this campaign. You've never seen the Democrats spend this money, much money on a black person, period, in Michigan, in a statewide effort, any other effort. They don't spend money on us. The Democrats don't, but they expect us to go on autopilot and automatically vote Democrat. And what's happening is folks are voting against Trump and some of them Some of them are splitting the ballot, so to speak, and casting a ballot for John James. They know that he said that he supported Donald Trump 2,000% some time ago, but they look at John James and they still see a black man. That's a factor. Now, again... Gary Peters is going to get the bulk of the black vote, which will go on autopilot and just vote straight Democrat. But if enough of those ballots are split, and if the, the, the polls now show that it's even Stephen, a matter of fact, some polls have John James getting more white votes than Gary Peters. It's the black vote that is keeping Gary Peters afloat in the state of Michigan, just as it's salvaged. Joe Biden in South Carolina as they beat down huh, our guy, Bernie Sanders. Right. Uh, you know, I interviewed Cornel West. I'm glad you quoted him. I had Danny Glover in the studio. But you know what Gary Peters' folks told me, Michael Moore? They said, Can you get, we'd like to know what you're going to ask. Hell, the Republican didn't ask that. John James should have been running from me. He didn't ask what the questions were going to be. But Gary's Peters people asked my folks, mm. what did Sam going to ask us? Damn it,
0: show up. Did he Gary show up? Peter, just did he show up? up fight sh- for the boat. Did he show up? Hell no. Hell really? No. Wait a minute, you're this is like one of the biggest talk shows in Detroit. You offered him to come on and he said no. Well, yeah, basically he hasn't showed up
3: and there's an open standing invitation to him. I'm not going to jack him up. You know, anyone that comes on there, I'll treat them with respect. And between me and you, I've had fill of some folks in the president's camp. I'm not rushing to that one. (laughs) I've had none from Biden's camp. See, the Democrats are afraid of me, Michael Moore. Mm. They're afraid of you.
0: Yeah. No, I, I know. I know that in part uh, because I asked Gary Peters to come on my podcast to, to so that his voice could be heard and he turned me down you know why and I can't I really was just stunned you know it's usually it's hard that's for a I, damn shame that's <laughs> a damn shame it's Republicans I can't get to talk to me but uh, but but the Democratic senator from the state of Michigan who is right now possibly losing his election, Won't come on. I just, now I hear, but okay. I didn't take it personally. I just, well, okay. That just, I know that he's not, I take it
3: personally. Everything is personal.
0: Not the brightest bulb on the tree, but nonetheless, he's our, he's our tree. He's our bulb. And, and we've got to get him. We've got to keep the Senate seat, uh, in order to flip the Senate. We should be working on trying to help out in Arizona and Colorado and North Carolina, The fact that we have to spend any energy in Michigan keeping the Senate seat. But but here he is. I don't want to be critical, Sam. I just just don't want to be critical. (sighs) I mean, I told you the
3: Democratic Party is running a roll up the window, lock the door campaign, a stealth campaign. A stealth campaign is what the Democratic Party is running in Michigan. And some of us are supporting them because, as you said some years ago, We don't need to see any more Americans die. You said if Donald Trump is elected, he's going to kill a lot of us. Now, you might have meant war or something, but it turns out it's the total ineptitude, incompetence, and denial of what the coronavirus pandemic is. And black folks, we're the ones dying. We're the expendables. I have no choice but to support Biden and Harris.
0: And Peters. And Before Peters. we steal more of these damn body bags, right? Peters Gary Peters sits on the Senate. He's the ranking member. In fact, so he's the top Democrat on the Post Office Committee, the United States Senate. And I, you know, we know the stories of postal workers who were trying to get the word to him months and months and months ago, who saw those post office boxes being lifted from the streets, who saw the post office equipment, the the machinery. Being undone and tossed, and nothing happened. And finally, then when they, when the postal <laughs> postmaster general said, "Okay, well, we're going to stop doing it now." Well, yeah, you're going to stop doing it because you've already done it, you know. And that our guy who's supposed to be the overseer of this, he, uh, I don't know. I, look, Sam, help me out. Okay, to go try to be a two minute therapist here. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what do we? Because we, he can't. Be defeated. Gary Peters must win. Must win. if
3: he's going to win, he's got a campaign like it. I mean, where have these people been, Michael, when the water was being shut off? To the poorest of the poor in Detroit. Where was Gary Peters? Where was Debbie Stabenow? Uh, You know, right now, the local politics of Detroit, Mike Duggan, overseer of the plantation Detroit, Mayor, it's, running, it's running the thing, running the Biden campaign in Michigan at the same time that Mike Duggan is cutting closed room deals with Amazon for the old state fairgrounds property. What's that about? What's that about? What, what it's about is
0: total disregard of the interest and well-being of majority Detroit. You're saying the Michigan state fairgrounds which is, a, I assume, this publicly owned by us, the people of Michigan. Well, right now, that's that, that's going to go in it's the, In Detroit. Yeah, And you're saying what, that they're cutting a deal with Amazon to sell and it? The deal's thing? already been
3: cut. There, a, a, a front company, a Ross Perot company, will be making the purchase of the land. They'll be turning it over, the property to Amazon. And the mayor is touting... X number of jobs for Detroiters, but there's nothing in writing, no comprehensive community benefits agreement. We were out there demonstrating the other day, the same day that Joe Biden rolled into the same site and did a drive-in rally after we had left. We were demonstrating earlier in the day, and Joe had a rally there a few hours later, Amazon. Oh, what the hell is AOC when we need her? Now, I will say to her credit, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib is standing strong on the uh, issue. But Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib is on the outside looking in in terms of how the Biden campaign is being run in Michigan.
0: What do you you mean by that? They
3: don't want any photo ops of Biden and anyone that's in the squad.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: You can't have a Democratic Party like that. You either stand for something or you don't. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the votes coming out of Michigan for Joe Biden are against Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the best get out the vote tool that the Democratic Party has in Michigan. Michael, I'd like to give you a better report. I've served as a delegate to the Democratic Convention before. I am a registered Democrat. Hell, 92. Jerry Brown, you worked with us. We set up a panel. Me, you, Tom Hayden. Mm-hmm. Paul, right. Wellstone, killed in the crash. He was on that panel. Yeah, Josie Heath, Hightower out of Texas.
0: Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we're steeped in the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party I see in 2020 should hang its head in shame in terms of how it deals in Michigan.
0: Okay, but Sam, we've got two weeks, so what are we going to do?
3: All I can do is talk to folk about going to vote. I've done my part. I voted. I voted for Biden and Harris and didn't hesitate because the options, you stated it so well, we cannot give this guy an opportunity to kill more of us.
0: Right, right. So you voted every day on your show. You're encouraging people to vote. Um but you can see why people are anxious about this, especially when it comes to Michigan. Um, you know, I've, Man, I've watched I, Biden I, I just up. hope we can
3: get out that boat. They've got to roll the windows down and unlock the doors and hit those streets that they're so afraid of on the east and west side and southwest Detroit, north end of Flint. It's
0: the, uh, the third time you've talked about the locking the doors and rolling up the windows. I think they're, for some of the white uh, listeners to this, um, maybe they don't need the explanation, but um, uh, certain people when driving through certain neighborhoods, uh, the, uh, the residents of that neighborhood hear the click of the car door lock and see and see the window go up. And uh, and you're it's a metaphor, essentially, for what exactly. some Democrats uh, uh, ignoring the black community. And I'm telling you, isn't that what happened in 2016? It wasn't. Oh, it wasn't yeah. I mean, Hillary.
3: Hillary rolls into Detroit to Eastern Market has a black minister, head of the NAACP, Wendell Anthony. He's out now. He he gives the equivalent of a sermon prayer. Hillary's in Eastern Market. She's in America's blackest and poorest city and doesn't campaign there. I mean, these folks in the Democratic Party in 2020 are adrift from the realities of the street and the streets know what time it is. And I just hope, and I'll work to help get out the vote to defeat Donald Trump. But Laura Trump was in the heart of the black community just the other day, three or four days ago, placed a call to a state representative I work with. Yeah, uh, Katrina. Pearson called a state rep, black state rep, female, that went to the White House. A COVID-19 survivor and said, we're in town. Drop on by. The state rep went by, Michael Moore, and Laura Trump is on (laughs) Livernois. Livernois in the heart of Detroit. In the heart of Detroit. Black in, Detroit and the black state. Trump is there with a room full of black folks. In and that, these aren't any weirdos, these are just like black folk from Detroit.
0: And the black there, state, the black state rep is a Democrat. Going on. She's a Democrat, right? The Black State rep Katrina. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she went. She came.
3: Yeah, she went
0: because uh
3: she shared a Corona coronavirus uh survival journey with the president and the nation caught hell for doing that. You know, a a white woman, the governor of Michigan can meet with the president. A white US senator can talk about working across the aisle, Gary Peters, and talk to the president about getting aid to Detroit. As a result of her trip to Detroit, this black state representative, Michael Moore, has served over 600,000 meals the hungry Detroiters, has brought back a uh, uh, truckload after truckload of personal protection gear for first responders and the people of Detroit and Dearborn. I'm telling you, there's activity out here. Whether or not it'll be statistically significant enough to make a difference, I don't know. But the fact is, is that these folks that embrace white supremacy that Embrace terrorists. Oh, hell, you've done all this. You were writing and, and, and about the militia before it was sexy to talk about the militia. You were doing this when you were almost slim. <laughs> 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 well, Michael, my point is, is you've lived Michigan. And yes, I'm against the white supremacists. You know, Kid Rock. Musical icon of the white supremacist movement call me out by name. The idiots got hundreds of millions of dollars in corporate welfare to that monument for a hockey puck. Little Caesars Arena rubbed our noses in it by opening up with Kid Rock. Mm. Sold out shows now. And Kid Rock called me a criminal POS. I said he was a no singing little bitch. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Detroit is a no bluff song.
0: Right. Let her rip. Um, oh, I ain't got a it. I'm not
3: going to give those suckers any advertising.
0: No, no, sorry, but listen. Fox Sam. Smart. Sam, white liberals who are listening to this right now are just getting sick listening to you, and I don't care. Yeah, but a, you know, I know, but I'm going to. The podcast is going to end, and and that's okay. It doesn't have to end on a happy, hopeful note. But I'm just saying that. Uh, people listening to your voice and you know, nobody nobody knows about the Detroit water uh, criminal activity. Everybody knows Flint now, but very little has been said. What you've just pointed out on on this episode about the turning off of people's water. Thousands, tens of thousands of people yeah. losing their water. Water. You can't live without water. Uh, you die after four days of no water. That's the human body. So. So you have been very active and you've seen and you're a voice for those 85% of the kids that that have to get a, a school lunch funded by the federal government. Uh, you know, the, the, you, I have heard you talk about the classroom situation in Detroit. There are classrooms that in the past, at least, have had 40, 50, 60 students in a classroom. This is, people don't know what's really going on in Detroit and Flint.
3: It's and rough. You know,
0: it's rough. To, Rougher than hell. Yeah. And
3: but but there is hope, Michael Moore, because many years ago, and you're a prime example of that, you and Dan Kildee, Rashidi Talib, we must identify friends and enemies on the basis of behavior. Not race, not sexual preference, but we identify I identify friends and enemies on the basis of behavior. I mean, I certainly know everyone that looks like me is not of us. In terms of behavior. But if we can pull together, we can pull this off. But please, please don't succumb to those polls. We've got to be working all through the end of Election Day, November 3rd or whatever it is.
0: It's November 3rd.
3: This guy, this guy has big time support. Support.
0: Trump, you mean.
3: Yeah, Trump. When I say this guy, I'm talking about Trump.
0: Yeah, and and we're talking about huge support still in Michigan.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. They will literally die for Trump. Yeah. I'm going to keep masking up, Michael Moore. I'm the one with the congestive heart failure, even though I do run and I do push-ups. But I got to tell you, there is a big struggle ahead to take back Michigan from Trump. Michigan remains a Trump state until we defeat him. And Bernie's people can't set home this time either. Many of those were the folks that went and voted the entire ticket except the presidential race. And then they bragged about it afterwards. If I could vote for Biden-Harris, you can vote for Biden-Harris, and then we'll uh, hash it out after we send
0: Trump packing. When we send him packing, this is my final question, when we send him packing and we've got Biden in there, what do we need to do? What is the organizing and what is the fight that needs to take place so that we see some change in this country?
3: Well, first of all, no matter what Trump says, the squad is not running Biden. The progressives are not running Biden. Biden is a corporate candidate. He's gonna behave like a corporate big pharma candidate when he takes office. Ditto for Kamala. Uh, We've got some work cut out for us and we're going to have one hellacious time rebuilding the Democratic Party, because the victory when Biden takes the oath does not belong to the Democratic Party. The victory belongs to the people that were sick and tired of Donald Trump. The Democratic Party still doesn't stand for a damn thing, except being a vehicle by which we can evict Donald Trump from the people's house, the White House.
0: And so the work we have to do with President Biden. What I said when I said earlier on the episode, I'd rather play offense than defense. You know, with Biden in there, you know, we can we can fight these fights and win some of them. With Trump in there, we're not winning anything.
3: Not winning, uh, and, and more of us will die. We'll di- we'll just keep dying. Yes, and I'm, i I mean, I'm not ready for that. I ran by every one of the big poster photographs on Belle Isle. I was doing a 10-mile run, jogging. I didn't even know they were up. They put up these big poster placards to honor those that have lost their lives to coronavirus, to this pandemic that turned Detroit into a slaughterhouse. And they lined Belle Isle. Oh my God, how many photos? And I ran by each and every one of them. And there were only a portion
0: of the thousands.
3: Of the thousands that have died in Detroit. Now they say they give us a, a paltry number. They don't have the real data on the number of us that have died in Detroit, in Flint. But I do know that Black folks have been more than 40% of those that have died in Michigan, maybe over half. Mm-hmm. And very few could dispute what I say because they haven't even counted the elder, elders, the seniors that died in mm-hmm. unlicensed nursing homes, let alone the nur- nursing home. See, <laughs> They only declared this emergency and all that after the presidential primary for all practical purposes so that Joe could achieve a political victory in Michigan. There's so much that wasn't right about this whole process, Michael Moore. But look, I hope I've helped you a little bit here. Helped us.
0: Yes. No, no. no.
3: The Michael Moores and the Sam Riddles, the Dan Kildies, the Rashida Tlaibs can team up. And we got to team up and deal with reshaping the Democratic Party, redefining it. If we don't do that, America will just continue this backward slide. Yeah, and that's being kind.
0: Yeah. Well, Sam, I um, I hear everything you've said. I think everybody listening has heard it, and um, we we uh, we have our work cut out for us. There's no doubt about that.
3: Yeah, and it starts uh, with you listening, voting. Yes, of course. Just
0: vote.
2: Damn it.
3: Just fucking vote. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I am so kind.
0: So much more gentle, Michael, more than you. (laughs) (laughs) That, I assure you, is not true. Okay. Sam, uh, this has been great having you on. Um, A lifelong friend, a lifelong voice uh, for the voiceless in the state of Michigan. Thank you for everything that, uh, that you've done. Uh, thank you for those great kids uh, that uh, you helped raise. And um, Sam Riddle, uh, the, uh, the political director of the National Action Network in the state of Michigan and the host of uh, Riddle at Random on Superstation 910 AM uh, yeah. in Detroit. And you can listen to it online.
3: Thank and you, a, Michael. Yes. And a senior fellow with the Pulse Institute, the premier anti-poverty oh, thing-based right. In Detroit. That's Pulse Institute. I'm a senior fellow. It's the anti-poverty think tank. Google that, Pulse Institute. Okay, Michael, I'm through. you the <laughs> I'm uh, through. I'll shut up. I'm through.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Never shut up. Okay. Well, thank you, Sam Riddle. Thank you, everybody who has listened to this uh, podcast today. And um, as Sam said, be sure and vote and, and call five people, text 10 people. That's right. Do whatever you've got to do. Let's get this vote out. Let's get rid of, of Donald J. Trump. And Michigan, let's, uh, let's uh, take the, the, the mark of shame off us. Uh, I love the way Sam said that, that we are still a Trump state until we're not. And so that means we all have got to do our work uh, to, to, uh, to get rid of him. It's two weeks from today, my friends. To, uh, we're recording this here on Tuesday. So um, please uh, do what you can. You can vote now. In 45 states, the polls are open. Get out there. Take people with you. Um, this, this. Uh, don't think that Trump can't pull this off. Uh, when I say he's an evil genius, most of you are just thinking about the evil part. I think about the genius part. That's what worries me. So get out there. Do what you can. Um, uh, if you're not registered check out there's still a few states where you can still register and in fact a number of states now are allowing same day registration so you can go to iwillvote.com iwillvote.com and they will tell you just type in your state and they'll tell you exactly what the rules are and you can know everything by then so thank you uh, to uh, to my guests, uh, congressman Dan Kilde, congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and uh, political activist and consultant extraordinaire uh, Sam Riddle for being part of uh, this special episode uh, Today uh, We all grew up in Michigan And we care deeply About what's happened to our fellow citizens By the tens of thousands By the hundreds of thousands Even by the millions In our state The suffering that has taken place Over these past decades We've been witness to it We've each in our own way have Done what we could do To try and stop the madness um, We have We have now a job in front of us in these two weeks, and that's to remove the madness that sits at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. You already knew that. You know what we have to do. Thank you for listening today to Rumble with Michael Moore. I'm Michael Moore. Be well.